I'm Sarah Alderton and today me and my co-host Matt Knight are speaking to dairy farmer Liz Haynes who's switched from a career in marketing to dairy farming with her husband Nick. She's going to be discussing how she made the move, the ups and downs she's experienced along the way as well as her plans for the future. So Liz, can you kick us off by telling us how did you get into dairy farming? So I'm not really from a farming background although my granddad was a dairy farmer but it wasn't something that I grew up with at all. Um, It was through my husband who was training to be a land agent but um, grew up on a small hoarding and had spent his whole life working on dairy farms in his holidays and weekends Um, and he basically decided to quit his job as as a surveyor and go full-time dairy farming um, when I was in my second year of uni. I was spending a lot of my weekends um, visiting him on farms and helping him and then um, when I finished my degree, we moved out to New Zealand. Uh, after Nick came back from New Zealand, um, he got a job on a farm in Dorset and I quit my job in London and went to live there. I still worked full time uh, for the RNLI um, in their marketing department, but um, I did an evening course in farm records and accounts while I was down there. And that was when I started milking on weekends and helping out with calves and doing bits of paperwork and things. And all of that was with a view to us um at some point in the near future getting our own dairy business and um after a couple of years down there and we moved up to Shropshire to start contract farming and that was when I sort of stopped having um a job outside of farming and was was full-time on the farm. So how did that contract farming agreement work then? Basically we were paid a contract fee um to provide the management on the farm and the labour we provided um the machinery And the land owner provided the farm, the cows. We did own a share of the herd, actually. We owned 25% of the herd of cows as well. Um, And the farmer invested in some infrastructure upgrades, some tracks, some water and fencing. And each party took a return on the money that they'd invested. So we had a return on our cows and our machinery. And the landlord had a return on his cows and his um, investment in the infrastructure. And then we split the surplus that was left after paying those returns and a rent to the landowner basically. And how did you find that contract farming agreement? Was that through like a an event or something you met the owner? No it was advertised in the Farmer's Guardian the way a job would be advertised so we went through a kind of um, application process sent in CVs and a business plan um, had a bit of an interview process and then we were selected. So in in a way, it was quite similar to a job interview, but I guess the business plan was a slightly different element. And so how long were you doing that for then, Liz? Um, It was a 10-year contract, but we did six years because we kind of got to the point where we'd outgrown it, really. I think um, we were looking to kind of continue to grow our business. We'd built up some capital um, from the profits that we'd made in that business, and we wanted to continue to grow, whereas the landowner there didn't really want to invest in expanding Um, and so it just was the right time for us really to go our separate ways Um, so we've now moved on to um, another joint venture which is a tenancy this time but in partnership with some um, people we know from our discussion group 10 years was actually too long I think that's that's an interesting kind of point to reflect on really at the outset I think we thought we wanted the longest possible term whereas we didn't actually realize quite how our kind of goals would change as 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 we developed and as as we grew our capital really because obviously going from um obviously your husband had 
some background in in the dairy industry working on dairy farms in New Zealand then back here but kind of going to then running your own business and managing her that's quite a step I mean what sort of you know did you get advice from people did you bring people on board to like help you like put together a business plan like how how... um we'd always been involved in discussion groups um and so there was a bit of a network of support there um, we did have um, a consultant helped us with the contract farming side of things and did help us a little bit with budgets and things. But a lot of it was sort of self-taught. And I think it wasn't really until we got stuck into the contract farming, we just had to like learn by our mistakes and get stuck in and do it. Um, and to be honest, like the budgeting side of things, it's fairly basic. Like before, before we were doing the business, when we worked in Dorset, we had some, um, we bought some heifer calves, which we, paid to be reared with the main um heifers and the replacement heifers for the, the herd there so we bought them paid the business owner there who employed my husband to to rear them alongside his and then um when they carved down he started paying us back to almost lease them off of us um and you know we budgeted that as we were going we'd track our kind of how you know track how much it had cost us to buy them our inputs into them and then profit when we eventually sold them and that was just a simple like spreadsheet exercise it's, it's just doing that on a bigger scale you know you've got to start somewhere haven't you um and even for a while we used to budget our own household expenses to make sure we could afford to pay those rearing costs for those heifers uh, so I would literally have a spreadsheet of like what our income was each month what our outgoings were on our household expenses and our outgoings on the animals and just tracking that almost like a cash flow monthly and it literally is the same thing that you have to do with the farm business just with more different elements to it and and just on the money side I mean for for anyone thinking about obviously coming into into dairying I mean do you need like a, a big lump of cash to get started I think contract farming offers lots of different like levels of entry depending on how much you can put in and what the business owner that you're contract farming with is looking for and so I think there are some contract farming opportunities where you might literally just be providing the labor in which case you might not actually need very much at all or you might not you know we did buy a share of the herd um, because we did have some capital we built up through these calves that we reared and sold but some people don't buy into the herd or you know, some people might just provide a little bit of machinery and, you know, within that you can spend a lot of machinery, you can spend not very much. So I think there are different entry points. So I don't I don't think money has to be a barrier. I'm not gonna lie, it does help as well if you know. But even if you can just start saving some of your own money, you know, we bought those cards with our personal savings from our jobs basically. Liz, I love what you said about, you know, you've you've got your uh, the household budget and then it's kind of just upscaling, I guess, isn't it really into different facets of, yeah. of running a dairy farm. What was going back to going back a few years when you kind of made that transition, which sounds like you gained your experience in a good sensible manner. You know, you had a good part of um, doing the, the accounts first of all, and then um, getting into dairying slowly, but surely. What was the most daunting thing when you were kind of looking at doing it just out of interest? Probably the money side of it was daunting because suddenly you are responsible for you know larger sums of money than you would have been in the past. And, you know, you don't have an employer anymore to fall back on who you know that your salary is going to get paid at the end of the month. Regardless, it is more on you. 
Um, but that was also exciting to be honest. We're the kind of people who that's what we enjoy being, you know, in control of our own destiny and managing ourselves. Um, and I guess also employing other people, to be honest, and suddenly being responsible for someone else's income and their livelihood, and just also the kind of legislation side of that and health and safety. That still today, that's probably one of the, you know, that feels like one of the bigger responsibilities in what we do, to be honest. At the moment, we've got two people on this current farm, and we had two on the last farm. But as we go up in cow numbers on this farm, it probably will go up to maybe three. Have you had any issues recruiting? or retaining or anything? In our previous contract farming thing, we probably did have a fairly high turnover of staff. And I think part of that was being inexperienced early on. Uh, we were under quite a lot of pressure to begin with. That probably made us not the greatest employers at times, but we've learned a lot as we kind of have gone on. And one of the guys who worked for us on the last farm has moved to the new farm with us. So hopefully that's quite a good testament that he liked us enough to want to come for the journey so how so the tenancy and the contract farming agreement what what's kind of the differences between the two then well I guess before we were we were paying rent to the farm owner before but we were having to give him a share of the profits and also this 10% return on the capital but he to be fair he had put in the bulk of the capital on the infrastructure whereas in the tenancy we pay a rent and then we've done the investment ourselves in the new milking parlor the company i mean um, not just like nick and i personally there's four of us in the company but we've invested the capital um and then we're not paying ourselves for a return that is separate from the profit if you see what i mean we just will make profit and we'll divide that between ourselves without any kind of prior returns being taken so the the four like the four of you in the company. So did you gone into that tenancy together as a company? Then have you? Yeah. So we've got a limited company, which is the tenant of the farm, and we've got equal shareholding in the company between the four of us. Um, Nick and I manage the farm on a day to day basis, which we're paid a salary for doing. The other two directors um, are not involved in the day to day management; they're more strategic. And those directors, you say you met them through a a grazing group was it yeah we've known them for several years through our discussion group so discussion groups were they quite an important part of getting established in dairy farming have they have they been have you learned a lot a, from yeah that? they've been a really helpful support network like on all the farms my husband's ever worked on he would have been a member of a grazing discussion group and it's just a good way to share ideas and learn from others and kind of keep on top of what's going on really and so like plans for for the new farm then what what are your plans on on this farm um so it was an all-year-round carving higher input system and we've moved to a grazing system um we're building a new milking parlor 40 units over um which should be able to milk a lot more cows so it will go up to 400 cows next year and maybe more in the future depending on getting some additional land um, and we'll just focus on getting a lot of milk from grazed grass and some additional bought-in feed, hopefully in a very low-cost system. That's the goal. The, the recent months have been extremely challenging for everyone worldwide and, you know, huge issues in dairying as well. How how has the recent months due to COVID affected, affected the farm? To be honest, we've been pretty lucky. If anything, early on, it meant that some of the builders who were involved with our parlour build 
who would normally have been tied up with other jobs are actually freer earlier on. And so we were able to get quite a head start in a way on getting work done. Um, we've been lucky that our milk contract hasn't been badly affected. I know some people have been badly affected. Um, you know, people whose milk contracts are more closely tied to the food service industry. Um, but we've been lucky that that hasn't actually affected us too badly. And so, you know, I almost feel guilty saying it, but for us, it hasn't had a significantly negative effect. We've been lucky that we haven't had any staff affected by the virus or anything. And so we've carried on in our own little bubble in a way. Um, and just feel very grateful to honest, that we've been able to do that. And um, in terms of contracts, that farm would have had its own milk buyer. Yeah. How did that work? Could you have changed it if you weren't happy? So when we started the contract farming agreement, the farm was supplying um, a cheese maker. And then we decided, partly on the advice of um, our consultants, to move. And we were lucky to move to Arla. Um, obviously, Arla is a membership co-op, and that meant that our farm owner, um became the Arla member and that was a really brilliant thing for the farm because we were um you know with the grazing system we're producing this high solids milk and the Arla manufacturing uh, contract paid us for those milk solids that we were producing and so it was absolutely the right contract for the business and it um just really boosted our profits basically during those um years that we were doing the contract farming but the milk contract was in the farm owner's name and so we haven't been able to take that milk contract with us um and so you know that's potentially something to be mindful of you know if we were in a tenancy and we'd have had our own milk contract we would have had the right to kind of take that with us in the future um, so that, that is just something to be mindful of but then there might be other people in contract farming arrangements who do that differently and where the contractor um is named on the milk contract i think it you know that depends on what you're able to negotiate with with the farm owner basically and it's partly to do with who's put the capital into um if it's a cooperative you know who's put the capital into the co-op basically i mean if, if someone if someone a new entrant was thinking about going down the the contract um farming route is there any like bits of advice that you would give to give to them to look out for? So maybe, you know, is it about selecting the right contract, the right farm that you're going on? Or just need to do your homework really on the opportunity of, of, of what uh, I think the most important thing really is having a good relationship with the owner of the farm and understanding what their goals and vision for it are and what they're looking to achieve from it and making sure that fits with what you want to achieve. Um, because you know there are all different levels of contract farming from people who are literally just providing the labour inputs and then they almost are just a manager who's getting a share of the profits in return for that kind of extra effort they're putting in and that extra um, responsibility they're taking all the way through to ones that are all but a tenancy in, in everything but name and where the contractor might have invested significant amounts of capital even in, in infrastructure and obviously these ones it's a much more significant commitment and it might be over a much longer period of time. And so then you are going to need to you know, take professional advice and, you know, have done a whole lot more scrutiny of budgets and all of those kind of things. Um, I think, you know, you need to be aware of the market in terms of what, what contract fees should be being paid and what share of profits you should be getting. And, you know, from talking to other people who are in the arrangements, you should be able to get a feel from that or from consultants. Um, and I don't think you necessarily need to spend loads of money on consultants to do budgets for you or to, to do all the work for you, but 
it just depends. There might there may there might be a role to pay for summer price, and just on the other hand, I, I would say don't be afraid of paying for some good advice because it could save you money down the line. Um, so it's it's a balance, really. Yeah, yeah it's it's about having the confidence in your own skill set and knowledge to kind of progress yourself, isn't it? It sounds like you. Um, to me, it sounds like you've got to have a really transparent and open relationship with the farm owner. Did you meet with them regularly during that arrangement? Yeah, we would have we would have seen them, um, you know, a few times a month probably. They, they, the farm owner there didn't have a great deal of involvement in the management of the farm, which we we were happy with. Because we, we wanted to be able to kind of get on with it, do it our way, and we were very lucky that he gave us the freedom to do that. But then we would have sort of... Um, budget review type meetings and then maybe two or three times a year we would have a more formal meeting with a consultant present to kind of review budgets. And Liz you you were saying a moment ago about the kind of goals you had on that contract agreement outgrew the opportunity really earlier than the 10-year plan so was it easy to exit that contract as well? Uh, We were very lucky that our farm owner because I think his goals had probably moved and changed as well. He was happy to release us from the contract. And so for us, we, we were lucky and, and that, that worked okay. But it's something to be very mindful of in your contract is what the exit clauses are. And I think people go in, we certainly went into it in this kind of optimistic thing of like, well, we won't want to leave. So, um, but, you know, that's fine. Whereas actually you do need to think about those exit clauses really. Um, and think that you're you know what happens if if your goals change and if your or just your circumstances in life generally can change and and so you just need to think about all eventualities and how the contract actually works in those situations Hmm. yeah as 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 we grow older we develop and we we kind of change perspectives and so on just on that topic of develop you went on the entrepreneurs in dairy course that we run um, and um, you, I think you went on the second and third year. How how did you find that course, or how did you become aware of it? Was was it signposted well, or did someone say, "Look, this this could be a good thing for you to do"? Um, it was our consultant on the dream venture who um, told us about the course, and we thought it would be a good thing to do, and it, and it was. You know, we met lots of really interesting people. Some of them we're still in touch with now, and the topics were really helpful for what we were doing. I guess there's not a lot of other courses like it out there, really. I think people who've been to, you know, agricultural college or something won't necessarily have had exposure to as much of the business side, you know, the real practical hands-on side of running your own business. Um, and, you know, I'd done my farm records and account for, which is more of the nitty-gritty of, like, how to do a VAT return or how to do payroll or um, how to, you know, register animals and, and apply for passports and things, whereas... This course is more about the entrepreneurship and the business side of it and the growing of a business, which is so vital, really. When I'm talking about entrepreneurs, I always kind of mention the fact, I hope it gives people the confidence to go and do it, as well as the, as well as the practical knowledge and, and going through certain facets of dairy farming. It's about giving them the confidence to make that step as well. Did it, did it help in, you in, in that facet? Yeah, I think, I think it did help us to grow our confidence. I mean, when we did the course, we were already sort of six months into our contract farming. And so we'd already kind of taken the leap. But I guess it did help us to kind of 
feel confident in what we are doing and to look forward to the future of the, the agreement and, and to where we wanted to go with it really. Was there anything specific that you applied from the course that you can recall back then? Some of the negotiation skills side of things I think was very relevant and um, some of the best bits were probably just like hearing they you know they had brought in people to give us kind of case studies of what they were doing on their farms and those were very inspiring and helped us to think about what we might want to do in the future um, we had a bank manager from HSBC come and talk to us and that was very interesting um, about kind of what banks want from you in terms of being able to borrow money and that's been coming useful going forward. I mean, Liz what would you say has been one of the hardest things that you and Nick have been through going through obviously the contract farming agreement and now the tenancies? Well in, in the contract farming we started in January 2014 and pretty much immediately after that the milk price crash happened and so that meant we had to kind of really look at our cost of production because the thing is with the contract farming I guess it sets your uh, profit threshold pretty high because you've got to pay rent and you've got to pay these 10% return before you've got any profit to split and so and there was a year when we made a deficit um, and you know that was a stressful thing to kind of have to deal with but it was also invaluable in that it made us really look at those costs and get them down and get ourselves out of that hole and then move forward and so in some ways it was like the worst and the best thing that happened I guess the best because it made you focus then on making sure you can lower those costs of production and try and... Yeah, and then it meant that when the milk price rose again, we still had that low cost of production and, and made more profit as a result. Whereas if we hadn't had to cut the cost like that, I don't know if we really would have. No, I was just going to ask about your goals now, um, Liz, like where on the tenancy, so what in the next five, ten years, what's your plan we want to continue um, running this low-cost system um, and, you know, generating free cash to, to invest and continue to grow the business, really. Uh, in the shorter term, we need to get up to the 400 cows for next year and potentially up to 500 on this farm. And then, ideally, I think we'd like to find another opportunity to run alongside it, potentially. Um and Nick has got a goal that he doesn't want to be milking the cows himself when he's 50 every day or at least have the choice to do. And, you know, to be able to do that, we probably need enough scale that we've basically got two farms that he oversees rather than one. And so we just want to continue to grow the business sustainably, really. Um, probably improve our people management skills. That's going to be required to kind of to achieve that goal. Um, and us um, enjoying what we do really is like having a good team around us and enjoying working with them and helping them to develop and grow as well. Liz, do you have a, a good work-life balance? Uh, yeah, I think like, it's been, obviously it's been tricky the last few months since we've been here with lockdown and things have made that hard as well as just, you know, setting up the farm. But like one of the reasons we wanted to do the grazing system was because we feel like it does give you a great work-life balance um, you know the block carving means that you have some really busy times and you have some down times and um, you should be able to kind of use those really to, to have time off and uh, have some downtime. and so I think once you know once we've got this moving power and I think there's no reason why it won't be the same here really we should the infrastructure has all been designed to make things really simple and really efficient um, and so hopefully we'll get the rewards for that next year. 
Liz, I think it sounds like with so much passion and focus on when you, t- you talk about goals and so on and so forth. And I think I already know the, the answer to this question, but going back to um, before you were both in dairying and um, you, made, you, you were offered to make the decision again, would you do it in a heartbeat? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Um, you know, if anything, even more so now with this whole coronavirus situation, I look back at my life in an office job and I think that would have been awful to be honest like living in a city being um you know, boxed in a flat potentially um you know I could have ended up being furloughed from my job or something whereas we've been so blessed in a way that we have just been able to carry on you know everyone has still needed feeding during this um virus situation and we're really privileged to work in this yeah I think so and I think I think the you know uh, the, the general public are more aware of the job that um, that all farmers do, you know, for the countryside and, and produce uh, excellent produce on the plate for everybody now. Um, you know, so I, th- I think um, anything that's happened over the last five months is that farmers are much more appreciated. I hope so. I'd like to think so. Um, yeah. And is there anything you've learned from your days in, in publishing that you've applied to, to dairy farming? Just the general life skills of working with people, um, working in a professional environment, really. We shouldn't think that farming is any different and that we shouldn't strive to be professional in what we do, although we do have this massive advantage that we can create these kind of family working environments that are really great places for people to work. I mean, have you got any other tips for for new entrants? Any, any you know, if someone's thinking about getting into dairy, dairying, what should they where should they start where should they go for information i would say find a good farm to go and get some work experience on um you know use social media to network with people and and, you know find someone in your area who is a a good farmer and go and do some work experience be enthusiastic get stuck in learn from them you know join a discussion group um use um hdb's resources just learn as much as you can um start to save some money build a little um fund up to, to you know to, to invest in the future and um, just go from there really and and in terms of the entrepreneurs in dairying course who do you think that's aimed at who who should be who should be going on that course I think anyone who is interested in starting their own dairy business really there were people who were um on, on our course anyway there were people who were the sons and daughters of farmers there were people from outside of farming backgrounds and there were even some slightly older people um you know in their 40s even who were on the course the one or two it was mainly younger people but I think for anyone who's looking at you know making the move from being in employment to having their own business in farming it's, it's a really great course yeah what would you say to someone that's veering on the fence of should i or should i not get in dairying depends what the reasons um are for, for very, i mean i guess there's also the point to be made that you can have a perfectly rewarding career working in farming without being in a business um you know you could have a good job rest of being a manager be employed get a salary um, have a nice lifestyle, a nice work-life balance, have your time off. And for some people, that will be a more suitable path. But not everyone wants to be on this pathway of aggression and growth, and that's fine as well. I think that's a mistake I probably made with staff early on, almost thinking that everyone 
wanted to follow the path that we had and it isn't for everyone you know it can be stressful it is a higher risk strategy although hopefully the rewards should be greater as well than just being in employment um you know financially but it's about looking at your your personality your goals and what you want to achieve and whether you think it it, it can achieve it really you know maybe putting that down on paper almost um your goals and your vision and 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 the pros and cons of, of a business opportunity and whether it can meet those for you i think that's the best way to get off the fence I'm unsure how much you would have paid for your Entrepreneurs in Darien course. I know that it's um, £325 now because we, we've moved it online because of COVID-19. Was it money worth spent, I guess, is the uh, the question I'm getting to. Definitely. I I think any money you spend on training and developing yourself is money well spent. I don't think you'll ever really regret that, especially if it's you know a good professionally run course. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's show. It's been fascinating to see the progression Liz and her husband Nick have made in such a short space of time and clearly their drive and determination is allowing them to achieve their goals. Liz is a shining example of how new entrants into dairy farming can become successful farmers and forge a really rewarding career. Discussion groups and courses have clearly played a part in helping build Liz's knowledge base and equipping her with the skills to run a successful business. And as Liz mentioned, she attended the Entrepreneurs in Dairying course back in 2014, only a few months after entering into her contract farming agreement. The course is now in its seventh year and it's been integral to students like Liz, providing them with the contacts and connections to go on and establish their own businesses, whether it's share partnerships, joint ventures, tenancies or development of their existing businesses. Entrepreneurs in Darien is taking place this year, starting in October, but places really are limited. Applications must be in by the end of this month. Most of this year's content will be delivered virtually, which is reflected in the reduced price of £325. If you want to get some more information about the course, which is running associations with the Anderson Centre, AHDB Dairy and the NFU, then you can find out more at rebdf.co.uk forward slash entrepreneurs dash in dash dairying and if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast why not go and check out our previous podcasts follow the link to our website rabdf.co.uk and click on the milk digest tab at the top where you can listen to this episode and more or just search for the milk digest on your favorite podcast provider and don't forget to subscribe so you can keep up to date when every new episode is out thanks for listening have a good day